welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Welcome everybody, it's Pastor Mickey and it's so good to have you for another podcast. As the holidays are approaching, I am so excited. I hope you're excited to gather with family and friends. And this series has been so fun as we've talked about around the table when Jesus took a moment and taught lessons as he gathered people together for a different meal. And when I think about the holidays, I think about some different phrases that my family has shared with me through the years. And one of those is, what you see is not always what you get. And I think about all the things that that is going to be Christmas and that's really the struggle, isn't it? When you go shopping, you're always wondering, yeah, what is this thing really going to do? What is this really going to be like? Is it really worth it? But today I want you to think about, honestly, ourselves. And is what people seeing, is that really what we want them to get? So join me today with woe. But today I want to hit my favorite one that, is, that I have prepared on this. I've showed you a couple of weeks ago to me the most applicable one. Well, today the one that I mean... I was like, now that's good stuff, all right? And I'm just going to read right out of God's Word. And I'm going to start in Luke chapter 11. If you have your Bible, whether it be paper or electronic, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to share with you a biblical account that most people, when they think about it, they think of it in a very negative context because today's message is literally entitled, Woe. Now, it's not woe like, woe, Nelly, like that was good, like Keith Jackson. It's woe like, like sorrow and pain. And it's when Jesus addresses the Pharisees and the scribes, and he gives them these woes to you, Pharisees, woe to you, scribes. And I want to tell you a little bit about that, but give you a biblical account, because I think a lot of times we miss what he's saying. So if you have your Bibles, again, Luke chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 37 and just set the stage. Verse 37, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee, we do not name this Pharisee, it's just a Pharisee, asked him, Jesus, to dine with him. So Jesus went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. So this whole thing is set up because somebody invites Jesus, a Pharisee, to come into his house to eat, and Jesus comes and reclines at the table and starts to eat without washing himself. Now, the washing wouldn't necessarily been his hands. What they're really thinking about is his feet. He did not take time to stop and to wash himself. In the biblical account, you would have reclined at a table, which meant you would kind of laid down, all right? Your head would have been at the table. Your feet would have been out towards the back. And if you didn't wash your feet, then, you know, you could be putting your nasty feet on somebody. Your feet could end up close to somebody else where they're eating. And in Old Testament law, the aspect of cleanliness was the aspect of how you got to God. You wanted to be careful not to defile yourself. That's the reason why people wouldn't touch leopards. That's the reason why if somebody had to go saying unclean, unclean, and the different concepts that were there. And so they were shocked that this Jesus, who was proclaiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God, would, would still be dirty. It would take the opportunity to get other people dirty. And Jesus, being the knower of all things, teaches them a lesson. Listen to what he says. Verse 39, and the Lord said to him, now, you Pharisees, now he's talking to all of them now, like, like he was invited by a Pharisee, but now he's addressing all of them. He says, now, you Pharisees cleans the outside of the cup of the dish, but the inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, 
Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give us alms those things that you have within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Now, a very simple concept that all of us could understand, and, and I love this passage because of some of the visuals that Jesus has given them. But could you imagine going over to somebody's house and you said, oh, man, hey, this, this cup, this cup's a little bit dirty. Can I, do you mind if I wash this cup real quick? Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry about that. Let me wash the cup. And they grabbed the cup and went and washed the outside of it and then gave it back to you. You'd be like, uh, the cup is still dirty. You know, like, like it doesn't make any sense for you to clean the outside of the cup. Like the outside of the cup is, is dirty. It's supposed to be dirty. I'm not really worried about the outside of the cup. Like, like I'm going to laugh at some of you guys. You ready? Like a lot of you guys go out to eat, right? And I always get tickled because somebody's like, oh, this silverware ain't clean. But yet they're drinking a cup that about 100 people have drank out of. You know, it's like, like there's certain things that are just dirty, but we expect certain things to be clean. And it doesn't make any sense. Nobody would serve a meal and have the china and pull out the china, right, and wipe the outside of it so it looked good, but the inside was totally corroded and nasty. Jesus is telling them that. He's trying to teach them a lesson. He said, you Pharisees, you're like people that you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup's nasty. And what he's telling them is, do you not realize that if you will clean the inside, then the outside becomes clean? Now, listen to me. Holidays are coming up. I don't want you to get caught, so caught up on the outside that you don't bring your best self on the inside. Like when you have some family members, and yes, you know who I'm talking about, all right? Because everybody has the uncle or the cousin Eddie or the person that you ain't talked to since last Christmas. And pastor, you don't understand. They try to get me in conversation. They get me dialoguing, and then they bring something up. It just make me so mad. Listen. What you've got to do is don't put on the brand new clothes. Don't put on the brand new vest you bought. Don't put on the whole woohoo dog and pony show and then still bring an old ratchet, upset, frustrated self to the party. Like instead, just be like, you know what? It's, it's Christmas and I'm going to be joyful. Why? Because it's worth rejoicing. And no matter what's going on, no matter what's coming up, no matter what may happen, you know what you can't do? You can't steal my joy. And all of a sudden, Dishes get broke, milk gets spilled, things that weren't planning happen, and you're just like, you know what, it don't matter. Because the things that matter are things you can't produce from the outside. He's trying to tell the Pharisees that. Listen to the words that he uses. He says, you are clean on the inside. He says, you fools, do, you, do not he who made the outside make the inside also. He says, if you clean the inside, everything is clean for you. But then he goes to the next one. He says, but woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and are every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. Now, this one, listen to me. As godly people, you can't bring your tithes and offerings and then go out here and treat people like trash. That's what they did. You can't do the things that God's called you to do in being obedient to God and then forsake people. He's like, listen, you will bring stuff that is precious and you will give things that are precious, but then you go and treat people like they're not precious. I, I was at the ball game Friday night and a young man prayed before the game. And I was so enthralled with this young man's prayer because just the way he prayed. I was like, now that, that, that's a prayer. 
And the thing that caught me is he said, and Lord, help us just to be kind. And people are kind of giggling like, <laughs> who's this guy praying? I'm like, that's the best prayer we've had all year. Like, listen to me. When it comes, I'll give you scripture. Rather than talk, let me give you scripture. As long as it depends on you, Galatians, be at peace with all men. As long as it depends on you. You say, well, what if it doesn't depend on me? Well, you can't do anything about that. But if it does depend on you, then be at peace with all men. I believe as we gather around the table and we start building relationships, the first thing we have to realize is, number one, don't judge everybody by the outside because there's people that the outside looks great, but the inside's nasty. And then there's people that the inside's great, but the outside looks nasty. Listen, don't be so quick to judge. But secondly, don't be so quick to do the things that God's called you to do, but then neglect the greatest thing that he called you to do, which is to love God and love people. I get so enthralled with how the 2023 church is missing this. We get so caught up in these big juggernaut words, discipleship and evangelism, but we forget amazing words like kind and caring and loving. And we're so caught up in trying to convert somebody that we don't engage them. And I wanna encourage you during this holiday season, be ready to engage people. Well, Mickey, what if they don't think like I think? What if they don't talk like I talk? What if they don't do like I do? Well, good, you may learn something. You may learn what you don't want to be like, and you may also learn something that you need to be like. But don't let that factor in, and that's what he's saying. He's literally talking to them, and he's going, listen, when it comes to the Pharisees, and just so we know, the Pharisees were the most religious people, right? The Pharisees were the most religious people. They knew God's Word. They would have memorized the first five books of the Old Testament, the law. They would literally have that memorized. And with that being said, so they knew the things. They knew everything that was going on. But the problem is, is they had head knowledge, but they didn't have heart knowledge. And I believe that describes most people. I, I can chase a real quick rabbit and be real careful. I, I know that because, because I've ridden with some of you in a car. I know that because some of you have ridden with me in a car. I know that because, <laughs> you know, Granny, Granny doesn't know when to, like sometimes you amen and sometimes you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> there was, there was, I'm not going to get into it, but there may have been a time or two where Granny thought she was going to die, but we are still here, Granny. Listen, I've went, Boy, I'm gonna hit a hot button here. I've went to lunch with some of you on Sunday after church. Listen to me. I'm not coming at you, I'm coming with you. I believe what God's calling us to do around the table and what he's getting these religious leaders to understand is listen, more's caught than talk. Be an example first. Rather than trying to look the part, humble yourself and become a part. But he doesn't stop there. He gets into my favorite part. It's the next couple of verses, verse 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe the mint and the rue and every herb, but you miss the justice and the love for God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. In other words, you don't have to, it's not an either or, it's a both and. But listen to this next part. 
Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogue and greeting in the marketplace. Translation, you love the significance in trying to be important. You like to show up and people acknowledge that you're there. And, oh, hey, come here, I got a seat for you. You love the acknowledgement when you're out in the, in the community and people come up, hey, how are you doing? Boy, it's good to see you. You love the, the accolades of, of being known and, and being somebody. But listen to what he says. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. This is my favorite part of the message, because it reminds me when I was a kid. One of the worst butt whoopings I ever got as a kid is I was walking over graves. We were out doing some work, and me and my brother were joking around, playing around, and we were just walking and doing. I didn't know any better, right? And so, and my dad grabbed me. And you just got to understand, my dad, you know, he's one of those, my biological dad, you know, you stood for the national anthem, you did what you're supposed to do, you know, you didn't walk on somebody else's grave. Like, there's paths in the cemetery for a reason. And listen to what he's saying, listen, what Jesus was teaching these Pharisees is you want people's respect, but the problem is you don't live a life that anybody notices that you're even there. Like, there would be times when I was younger, I'd go to a graveyard, and I'm like, oh, look, like, I just, you know, I was like, I, I, after getting that whooping, I didn't want another one. And he says, you're like unmarked tombs. In other words, it ain't that people are trying to be disrespectful. It's just they don't even notice you. Your life is unnoticeable. They don't even know, know that you exist. You are so self-consumed that you're doing nothing for anybody else, and nobody even realizes that you're even there. And so don't get your feelings hurt like people are disrespecting you and walking over your grave. No, change your life to be something that people notice and you'll be surprised how people will walk around because now they've realized it. I love in Matthew, you'll see the scripture. Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. He has the same concept, but what he's talking about is he says, you're like washed white tombs. You look good on the outside, but the inside you hold dead bones. It's one of my favorite illustrations that Jesus gives because I can understand that. It's like you look great on the inside, but you, you just, you don't have nothing on that. You look great on the outside, but you don't have anything good on the inside. You, you've washed everything. You've made everything look great, but the bones, they're dead. And it's amazing how much we will do to try to make the outside look great rather than dealing with the inside. Pastor Chad has a thing that he has on his desk that I really appreciate and find inspiration in that he told me about when he first came to Crosswoods Community Church. And it simply is kind of his mantra, his motto. And it says, fight for their heart. And I'm like, that's good. Like, don't get caught up in all this. Just, just fight for the heart. And I believe that's what God's calling us to as we gather around the table. Like, let's not be whitewashed tombs where there's no life in them. They look great, but when you get into them, you're like, ain't nothing there for me. Like, like no matter what the outside looks like, let's, let's have something of worth. Now, all of those woes were to the Pharisees, but there were two people that were there, two types of people. And listen, some people misinterpret this, but listen to how the transition happens. One of the lawyers answered him. Now, just so you'll know, a lot of people are like, yeah, didn't burn lawyers, I hate lawyers. That's not what this is talking about. Okay, if you were to do a little bit of cross-referencing, you'll realize 
that in chapter 23, verse two of Matthew, it's talking about people that were sitting at Moses' seat. If you go back to the Old Testament, when Moses was put in charge, he was the one that would help govern God's people. In fact, God told him, it's actually through his father-in-law, Jethro, and it says you need to have multiple people to help you govern these people. And out of that, you got this judicial system. So much so that that's where America gets their judicial branch. A little history lesson for you. And so when he says, you lawyers, he's actually talking about you had Pharisees and you had scribes. And scribes would be responsible for writing and translating God's word, not translating, but just, but just dictating it from one tablet to the next. But they would also be held to, to help oversee people because everybody was trying to work their way to heaven. So like during the different customs, they wouldn't have time for everybody to go see the high priest. So they'd have different boards, different people that you could go see and you would tell them what you've done wrong and then they would tell you what you need to do to make things right. In biblical times, they would call those people lawyers. So it wasn't lawyers like in today where you have a representation in front of the judge. These lawyers would, would actually act as as the representation and give you what you needed to do. You still see this in some different religious sects like Catholicism, where you go to somebody and they say, okay, well, because you've done this and done this and you've confessed this, then I want you to go do this, this, and this, and you'll be made clean again. You say, what's your opinion on that? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him, and through his grace, you ain't gotta do nothing because he has forgiven you of all your sins. That's what's so amazing about the cross. We no longer have to go to somebody to make things right. We just simply need to turn to Jesus. And when we accept him, he makes all things right. The sins of your past, the sins of your today, and the sins of your future. But back on topic, he's talking to these lawyers. Now, listen to what the lawyer says. I think this guy had, had taken a time capsule from 2023 back to, to this biblical time. He says, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us too. That's the biblical way of saying, you hurt my feelings. Like, he's not even talking to them. And they say, well, teacher, when you're saying these things, I find them insulting too. And Jesus responds with the most unbelievable, I don't care. Now, he doesn't say it like that. Why? Because he's Jesus. And that's the reason why I'm not. But listen to how he lets them know that I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but your feelings don't really matter. Because here's what he says. Listen, and then we'll be done. In verse 46, Jesus said, Woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourself do not touch the burdens with the one of your fingers. In other words, what he says is, these people come to you with their hardships and struggles, wanting to have a relationship with God, and then you turn around and you make the burden heavier, not lighter. You know, in Scripture, when Jesus says, take my burden for it's easy, these lawyers, they did the opposite. They wanted to oppress people. They wanted to push people down. That was their way of building themselves up. And what he was saying was, was a phrase that you know in a different way. You don't practice what you preach. That's what he was telling these lawyers. You put burdens on them and restrictions on them in things that you yourself will not even do in your own life. You tell people they shouldn't do these things, and because they've done these things, they need to do these other things. But yet you do the same things and don't require the same obligation that, they, that you put on them. In 2023, here's the way it looks. 
You ever went somewhere or went to a church or went and talked to somebody that has a relationship with Jesus and they make it so hard to have a relationship with Jesus that you don't want it? That's what he's talking about. Oh, you want to accept Jesus? Well, you need to quit this and quit that and quit doing this and quit doing that and quit doing this and quit and clean up and do this and move out and do this. And it's like, hang on a second. You know what? If you want to know Jesus, you just pray. You pray, Jesus, I'm sorry. I accept your death on the cross, your resurrection from the grave, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That's what you do to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, what if I'm living in a relationship and, and I, you know, I mean, we're not married and we've been living together for a long time. Do I need to move out to accept Jesus? That's not what it says. Nowhere in God's word it says you must move out first before you accept Jesus. What if I have an addiction issue? I mean, can I accept Jesus and, and still smoke dope? I mean, I don't recommend it, but, but there's nothing in here that says you have to quit first. But here's what's amazing is I believe when you truly experience the love of God and it wells up in you, then all of a sudden you will start addressing situations that aren't in line with God's word. You say, well, Mickey, that sounds good, but why don't people do that? Because the people that have accepted Christ don't align with God's word. They say, listen, I'm no different than you. And that's what he was telling these scribes. He's telling them, listen, rather than making it a burden, how about you, you step up and start being an example? Same thing he was telling the Pharisees. Now, listen again. I'm not coming at you today. I'm coming with you. As we gather around the table, we have fellowship. We laugh and cut up with each other, with, with classmates, with different people in our jobs, with different people in our families. Listen, make sure that, that when you show up around the table that the burden gets lighter, not heavier. And then he goes through a different woe that I'm not going to hit today that's basically talking about to the scribes how they basically build the monuments for the people that have been crucified. But then he gets to this last part, and this is the last one, and I'm undone. It drops down to verse 52, and he says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. In other words, you have so enthralled yourself with making the rules that the original rules are no longer the rules. You've just made stuff up. But we still do those things. And we wonder why we don't become enticing and why we're not contagious and why people don't see the things that we're wanting them to see and the way that they don't see Jesus the way that we want them to see Jesus. Like when it comes to the table and gathering around the table, I say, say like, let's, let's not be one of those people that God's saying, whoa, whoa, man, you, man, you're just not doing this right. In fact, I, I wrote down some simple translations of those six woes. But before I give them to you, I, I want you to understand exactly what I'm talking about when it, because at the end of here, when he hits these lawyers this last time, it it reminds me of, of one of my favorite illustrations of the aspect of a train. You know, and, and I know we got some friends visiting from Georgia, and they have this uh, little university down there that they have, I think they have basketball and baseball. They're working on a football program um, that uh, go by the Bulldogs or Bull. I think it's dogs, but it's spelled wrong, all right? Uh, but, but there's this little phrase that they have. Because I grew up a Georgia fan, and, and I, so I remember that it's like, what's this coming up the track? I don't know, but it's red and black. 
Ain't nothing finer in the land, and I'll just leave it at that. All right? But they, they would walk the railroad track to get to Sanford Stadium. All right? But here's the illustration as far as trains, because it's cool. Because, see, here's the issue with most people. With a train, it's very simple. If you're on the track, not only can you move, but everything around you can move. If you're off the track, it's not the end of the world. Even though you can't move, guess what? Everything else can still get by. The problem is, is when people straddle the track, and that's what these lawyers were doing. Not only were they not entering, but they were keeping other people from entering. Those are people that are, that are straddling tracks. See, not only are they stuck, but not only are they stuck, but nobody else can get through because the track's blocked. And I believe that's what Jesus was trying to teach these Pharisees and scribes. He was basically politely saying, hey, do me a favor. Either get on the track or get off the track, but straddling the track, you're jacking everybody up. And here's what I wrote down. Six simple things. This is the, the Mickey translation, and then I'm gonna be done. Number one, make it less about your outside appearance and more about your heart. That's what he was telling them. Make it less about your outwardly appearance and more about your heart. Number two, be kind and support justice. Love people. Like, no matter what's going on, no matter what they look like, no matter what they do, no matter what you do, like, don't get so caught up in, in all the Rick and Reward. No, don't mishear me. Do what God's Word tells you to do. And one of the things that God's Word tells you to do is to love your God. That's the first commandment. And second is love your neighbor as yourself. Those two, he calls the greatest commandment and says, and on those two, the law of the prophet hinges. The third thing, give the influence away. Don't get so caught up in being the proper seat and, and in the marketplace. Oh, hey, like be quick to give the influence away. Empower people. A phrase that I have in my office that I read on a regular basis. If you delegate tasks and responsibilities, you will create followers. But if you delegate influence, you will create leaders. Give the influence away. That's what was so awesome about last Sunday. Like it wasn't about tasks and responsibilities. It was like, like I didn't do nothing. I was just on the mic and eating a whole lot and then eating a pie real quick. And that was it. Like everybody was doing it. The next one that I wrote down, going back to these woes, live a life worth noticing. Like if you're upset that somebody's stomping on your grave, realize that they don't do it intentionally. They just didn't know you were there. Live a life that people notice and go, oop, what? I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful. Live a life worth noticing. The fifth thing that I wrote, be an example first without using words. Like that's what he was telling these Pharisees and scribes. Your words don't carry weight because your actions speak too loud. And then the last thing, don't block the door. It's okay if you don't know. 
You just got to make sure you don't block the way that people that do know. And I think in life, that's something that we have to understand. And when Jesus got around this table with these Pharisees and the scribes, he used it, and you hear people preach on it, and they always talk about it like, oh, he told this, you brood of vipers, you, you horrible people. And I don't know that he wasn't stern, and I know that he used those words, but when you think about what he was really telling them is, listen, just make the outside meet up with the inside. And if you don't like what you're seeing, then change the inside first. I believe a lot of you will remember this. I know that T-Hop over here to my left will remember it because it's one of my Mickeyisms. But I say this all the time. If you want to change the world, it's not that hard. You draw a circle around yourself so you know what you're up against. And then you change everything on the inside of the circle. And that's what he was telling them. If you want to be a difference maker, it's not about telling everybody what they should or shouldn't do. It's about telling yourself what you should or shouldn't do. Be an example first. I love when I go around town and I run into different people. And I'll hear different phrases like this. We'll be talking about something, maybe on a golf course, maybe in, in a shopping center, maybe in Lowe's or wherever I'm at. And, and, and somebody will say something to me. And, and usually they'll say, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, well, what church? You know, Crossroads Community Church. And you get two responses. You know, oh, okay, okay. Or what I really like is they say, oh, that's where so-and-so goes. And I want to I give you a little bad boy. Do you know that in six years of Crossroads, I can't say this about every church I've ever served, but in six years of Crossroads, I've never heard a negative word about somebody when they found out somebody was coming to this church. Now, I know that I just hadn't run into the right people yet. I get it. <laughs> but no, they also, oh, you know so-and-so. Oh, I, I love them. They are some of the greatest people. They're my neighbors, and they are so helpful. You know, a few weeks back, we had something happen with our dog, and do you know they helped us find that dog? True story. Oh, you know, I work with so-and-so. Man, I, I love that guy. Like, he is always so helpful. Like, he will, he's one of the few people that will stop his own work day and what he has to get done to help me because he wants us all to be able to be successful. He said, well, Mickey, what's your response to that? I've never been more overwhelmed with emotion. And your leadership and what you're doing in your life inspires me to live better. Because that's what it's about. Like when it's all said and done, I don't want you guys to go talk to somebody and be like, yeah, I go to Crossroads. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I know that pastor down there. Boy, he, he man, he's a, <laughs> if you met his wife, ooh, man, she's something. <laughs> I know, we've all got that one. It's okay. She's used to it. But you know what I'm saying? Like Amy and I both, like not that we want to be whitewashed tombs, but we want to live a life that's worthy of your love and respect. You say, well, Mickey, you shouldn't do that. You should be worried just with the love and respect of Jesus. Jesus forgives me of everything. The only time I've not found forgiveness is with people, not with Jesus. And so I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate that. But I've learned that, you know what, I want to live a life that you can love and respect. 
Because I know Jesus will. And that should inspire all of us. Next week, we're going to dive into another really fun one. But I want you to leave this week, and I want you to think about one thing. So where are you at today? Have you laughed and been like, that's, that's pretty good? Or have you sit there going, oh, my gosh, he's talking about me? Like if I went with you to your work, what would they say? If I talked to your kids, what would your kids say? If I talked to your spouse, don't worry, I'm not. What would they say? And if you don't like what you're thinking, here's good news. You still have time to change it. This holiday season, I want you to, to do one thing. I want you to live a life that people say, what's different? Boy, normally when we got around this table, you'd be stressed out and worried about the turkey and worried about the bread and worried about the dressing and worried about the pies and worried about the gifts and worried about the Christmas and worried about the trees and worried about how things decorated. But boy, this year, you were just consumed with us. And grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, whatever your titles are. Man, it was good times this year just to get around the table. And I believe that if we do the little things, then the big things take care of themselves. So what's it going to be for you? Well, I want to thank you one more time for joining us for another podcast. You know, at Crossroads Community Church, our vision is summed up by simply saying, let's be life-giving. When it comes to getting around the table, when it comes to the things we do in life, when it comes to all the different people we meet, we want to love God, we want to love people, and we want to be life-giving. So let me encourage you. Think about today's message and ask yourself, with this holiday season, how can I be life-giving? In fact, I know that most of you that listen, you are an amazing person that has an amazing influence. And we would love to partner with you by you helping us by simply sharing these podcasts and taking the life-giving message of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible. So I encourage you to do that. But until next time, be blessed, have a great day. And I look forward to joining you next week as we continue our series on Around the Table.